1: Hello there and welcome to Streets Ahead, your podcast dedicated to all things cycling and walking in the UK and we firmly believe beyond. My name's Ned Bolting.
0: I'm Laura Laker. And I'm Adam Tranter.
1: And welcome to this, our 21st episode, which seems unbelievable really. We are now 21, the uh, age of majority, three times as old as most podcasts live to be, apparently. Didn't know that. And uh, now it's the year of the ox. Uh, Didn't know that either. This script, incidentally, isn't written by me, which is why I'm slightly hesitating <laughs> over reading it. Um, this week, we're talking about roads. That bit I did know. In particular, the news that the government's £27 billion road building fund is facing a legal challenge after the minister overrode officials' calls for a review of the policy's environmental impact. But first, a bit about us. Right, because so far we've treated this podcast a bit like a kind of community radio station, assuming that everybody knows everything about us. Um, but on consultation with some experts, we realised that <clears throat> not everybody may know uh, who we are and why we're talking about them, uh, talking to them about roads and stuff. Um, uh, some of you may recognise my voice, I guess, if you follow uh, cycling coverage, particularly on ITV, uh, since I've been part of the ITV Tour de France team uh, for a number of years and uh, commentate on the race. And uh, I I said a number of years, it's so long, I don't actually want to admit how long I've been involved. Um, But put it this way, Lance Armstrong was still racing when I uh, started on the Tour de France. And I've written a bunch of books about cycling and other stuff as well. Uh, That's me. But Laura, I know who you are a bit, although I don't think we've, weirdly, I don't think we've ever met face to face because we started this during the pandemic. Um, But Laura, in a kind of like amazingly insightful and very marketable 10-second soundbite uh, that's kind of got kind of to zip off the, you know, into their podcast listeners' ears. Tell us everything that, tell everything that we then need to know about you. Ah, so
2: I'm Laura Laker. Uh, I'm a cycling journalist, also write about walking sometimes. Um, I have been doing it for about 10 years full-time, maybe eight, nine years. And uh, yeah, just very kind of passionate about transport, about cycling, about the way we move around, about um making the environment better and, um, everything that kind of cycling does for our health and well-being, And, uh, yeah,
1: that's me. And also an all around good egg. And you've been, you've oh, been thanks. busily just before we started recording, you've been busily putting out, um, fires on the internet a little bit, haven't you, over the last few days, <laughs> which has, I'm sure shredded your nerves a little bit and cost you all sorts of emotional reserves that you're probably running low on.
2: <laughs> yeah. Twitter can be a bit of a bit of a yeah. harsh place sometimes, but, uh, yeah, I guess
1: that's just half of the course. I don't think we're breaking Current any news building. there. Adam, um, <laughs> uh, all I've seen of you, I mean, I've known you for quite a long time, but all I've seen of you for the last, um, during COVID, is the rather sort of small-looking cubbyhole that you tend to do your... Is it a small-looking cubbyhole? <laughs> it's just a white wall behind you and a shelf above your head, and that's all that we ever get to see.
0: Uh-huh. Um, no, um, I'm, I converted... Uh spare room into a little home office and my wife's got a desk that side ah. uh, as well because we're our day job working in fusion media is uh in as a communications agency um and i have yeah i have more space maybe i should maybe i should set that up i think there is this trend isn't there to um i mean fairly pointless talking about it on a podcast but there is this trend to have a nice View behind you with books and 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 stuff like that. Or and actually now a Union Jack flag is the is the trend, uh, which I haven't That's got um, behind me. <laughs> it has, at been the note, has
1: been noted your lack of patriotism, Adam.
0: <laughs> yes, I'm sure it has. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I I am I'm, I'm here because I, I I bloody love this stuff. And 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 I I kind of recently got into cycling advocacy uh, and trying to kind of bring my communications. Uh, skills to the table because I think we have a communications problem uh, in in active travel, uh, and that's led me to to yeah to talk on it, do this. Um, I, I volunteer as a, a bicycle mayor uh, in Coventry, uh, and and ultimately I just want you know my kids can't ride to school basically. So my motivation is you know if they can cycle to school safely, then you know it would be partly a job done, and we're so far from that. Uh, and that's what kind of motivates me.
1: I, what I really like about your story, Adam, is that you've kind of slowly, year on year, you've become less and less about the racing, haven't you? Because as a kid, you were proper, you were decent, you were a GB, am I right? <laughs> GB Junior, kind of thing. Not, no, not that no, good. no.
0: I, uh, I, um, I, I raced and I, I, I raced um at like a national level. I did the a few little races. Um, did the Isle of Man Youth Tour? That was great fun. Uh, that's just produce, just kind of that's weird. produced well, some
1: great champions down the years. That race? It has. Oh, yeah.
0: Yes. Um I beat uh I beat once the the um famous well-known uh Peter Kenyuk Um uh a, a road race. Um I beat him. He finished about 48th. And I finished about 44th and uh, I was like, Oh, I beat Pete Kennett. This is brilliant. (laughs) And he'd ridden the national Madison championships the night before. (laughs) Then got home at like three in the morning (laughs) and then done this (laughs) one hundred and ninety 90 mile road race or something. Um, Wow. I beat him by a couple of places. So yeah. Yeah. It's not a lot less about racing for me. I kind of, I've always been wanting to get people on bikes and, and I grew up cycling and that was really passion of mine, but like just something clicked two or three years ago that, you know, we were getting not many more people on bikes and they were all interested in road cycling and sport, which I love. And that's my background, but the same joy can be achieved from just riding a bike to the shops and, and, and riding, you know, to work and all that sort of stuff. And that's what I love now. So I've got a road bike. I don't think I've used it in three years maybe. Um, and I just ride, yeah, right to the shops basically.
1: What I love about doing this podcast is, um, I can, I can just kick back and Kind of uh, not be relied upon to provide anything that's of any tangible use to anyone, really, because I'm I'm just se- <laughs> I'm just seriously not the expert. This is not. It's just my shared interest in in the way I live my everyday life and what I kind of think would be better for all of us. But you guys, what I love about doing this is that you guys are really kind of immersed in this day after day after day in the detail of it all, and I just get to ask the kind of the stupid questions about. No, hang on, I don't understand, and all this, and also play the devil's advocate a bit because. Over the course mm. of the 21 episodes, you know me by now. One of my big frustrations has been, like, I almost mention it every episode that the, you know, breaking out of our echo chamber and trying to mm. access, you know, and occasionally, and occasionally maybe challenge ourselves and our own assumptions, which is um, invaluable because I sometimes sense that if you like the other side of this argument, um, people who feel very differently to us, um, I, I wonder how self critical that camp is and I think that it's incumbent mm. upon us to be you know, to go the extra mile so to speak to make sure <laughs> that when we suggest a policy or put forward a proposal it's been well thought through and it's going to be of benefit,
0: you know I, I think that the, the 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 two sides which I'm loath to kind of describe it as but people who want active travel and people who, who, who don't and are quite comfortable with the status quo um, we're that, that kind of made up kind of culture war is, is is and I'm talking about this quite a lot at the moment is it is totally made up it makes really good copy it makes really good headlines but the studies which we should you know refer to frequently uh, shows that you know two-thirds of the British population support active travel and they even support road space reallocation if it means taking space away from drivers and we know that from looking at other studies around the world that as roughly, we think sixty percent of the population who are interested but concerned. You know they have bikes, they want to ride, etc. So the the self the sense check for me is that actually I think most of the population want active travel, holistically. But what what is delivered and how it is presented and the benefits it gives people needs to be specific and understandable to them because they're not going to understand traffic evapora- evaporation or induced demand uh, or anything like that and uh, and and that's what uh that's what I think we need to really challenge ourselves on make sure we're just making sense basically
2: yeah i think it's important as well to remember that even though um well two thirds of people might support this stuff there's a, there's a kind of third who might support it given the opportunity or or some of that third might support stuff given the opportunity. And it's also about kind of, I guess, bringing people along with, with you. I've been talking to a couple of people in the last few days about the importance of not just building physical stuff, but kind of helping people to get the confidence to ride kind of telling them that this is, this is stuff that you can use and, you know, maybe giving people support for, um, for cycles or support for like walking routes or, um, and all of that stuff, because um, you can you can tell someone that something's good for them, but actually kind of showing them and helping them to do that is important too, I think, because it, it is kind of about behaviour change, a lot of the stuff that we do.
1: All right. Brilliant. Listen, we've, th- th- these themes con- constantly arise, don't they? They're part of uh, the messaging, yeah. uh, you know, of how we, how, how we go about this. It seems to be kind of relevant every single episode, regardless of what we're talking about. W- what we have said we're going to address in this episode, so let's do that straight away. Is the 27 billion quid that uh, Transport Minister Grant Shapps wants to uh, use to plaster tarmac up and down Britain's green and pleasant land? Uh, I think that's the. I think I've, I think I've drilled down into the detail enough. I think that's um, probably all you need to know, <laughs> Laura, Laura. What's going on with that, or Adam, or whoever wants um, to leave with this? I don't know.
2: Yeah, so this was originally a 15 billion pound road building fund back in 2014. Um, then last year. Uh, Rishi Sunak announced that it was going to be 27 billion road building is a, is famously a sort of repeated uh, um, it's kind of a bit of a stimulus seen as an economic stimulus. So if you want to simulate the economy, then you build stuff and roads is like a really good one. And for a transport minister, you know, you build a big road, you build a tunnel, then um, you have a kind of legacy and uh, and yeah, and that, that's I think that's what that's what part of this is about. The government says it's about uh, helping people um for longer journeys because we can't walk and cycle for longer journeys it's about freight uh, but it's 27 billion pounds on various road building schemes including 1.7 billion for a tunnel under stonehenge uh, the lower thames crossing i learned is a 14 and a half mile route which goes under the thames uh, and it bypasses the dartford crossing uh, taking like 14 million trips off of the dartford crossing every year cost of 6 billion for 14 and a half miles but uh, there was a legal challenge. Wait, so, by the-
1: Sorry, look, Laura, is that different from, I think we're going to maybe come on to discuss this later, but is yeah. that different from the Silverton crossing?
2: Yeah, it's different. So another um, one, two tunnels yeah, the Yeah, it's tanks. another one. More crossings. More, crossings.
1: More, cross, more, t- more big tunnels.
2: Yeah, I know. I had to do a double take as well, because um, I haven't really, I mean, this is sort of Kent and Essex, uh, so, yeah, the Dartford crossing is really uh, congested. And, and it's this whole kind of theory that if you build more roads, then you make more space for cars. But um, we can talk about that in a in a bit because it's one of those fallacies mm. about uh, road building. But, yeah, it's a whole different, a whole different crossing, Ned. Gosh. That's what I've learned. Very expensive one. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and the government's argument is that it needs to combat congestion. Uh, cycling and walking can't take on those longer journeys. But the Transport Action Network, which is a campaign group, are seeking a judicial review of this strategy. Because they say um, it, uh, and they re- they realise that Grant Shapps had basically been given some uh, advice by civil servants in the DFT that he needed to review on environmental grounds, but he overrode that advice, and so that's what they are uh, contesting now.
1: I feel like I'm getting slightly mixed messaging from Grant Shapps. <laughs> yeah, would that be fair? Would Sorry,
0: this is a really bad analogy. I was just going say it's the. The guy from the fat show in the pub who yeah. changes his mind depending on I who he's talking to. Oh yeah, no, no, we want I to don't get remember
1: that much. This one. Oh, oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Case yeah of exactly cool right. White House character, wasn't it? He just basically <laughs> yes. wore, he just agreed with whatever the last person said. Um Aww. so there's always two other people who took Totally contrary, contrary, and it always ended, (laughs) each episode ended with exactly the same. Paul Whitehouse would just descend into almost like floods of tears when he go, I don't understand. (laughs) 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 So that's Carl Um, Chaps. Yeah. So he flip-flops a bit.
2: Flip-flops. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I think my understanding is that um, he, I think he got a bit of stick last year. There were some local schemes in his area uh, where he's MP that were done that perhaps weren't the best, that he got a lot of kind of lobbying from local constituents over, um, and he got a bit burned by the Telegraph and the Daily Mail over them um, and general cycling and walking schemes. But He's being told by uh, Boris Johnson that, you know, we need to build cycling and walking stuff, but he's kind of very conscious of, like, the kind of need of the motorists, I guess he would see it as, Mm. and he he kind of sees electric cars as a solution, um, but has to be reminded of cycling and walking stuff, I think.
0: Yeah, I think it's uh you know the the fast show is probably too too simplistic an analogy but um it uh, it, it is definitely the politics of, of 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 compromise I think you know there are and we should you know getting out of our echo chamber we should um accept that there are some incredibly uh not just from a lobbying point of view but just generally if you ask people on the street what they think um you know m- induced demand is not on their radar, if they're sat in traffic and you build an extra lane, that sounds like a good thing. You're you're giving something um to those people. And I think that you have you have that on one side, but with with actually really quite serious ambition from the Prime Minister and uh his advisor, uh Andrew Gilligan. And then uh, you know, we saw this last week, there was a select committee uh, meeting where grant chaps was talking to two mps and you know the points raised is will you be asking people to drive less because your your original decarbonizing transport forward said we will use our cars less uh, as an example the committee on climate change report and obviously we've got cop 26 this year uh, in the UK um the committee on climate change say that even if vehicles are electric we will need to reduce mileage by i think around 20% and some other people say it's got to be even more than that i don't think anyone's um like saying really strongly oh we should get lorries off the road or you know people shouldn't be able to drive to to go and see their their aunt 90 miles away um i think what we're saying is that you know 50% uh, uh, 50% of journeys uh, over 50% of journeys are between one and two miles, and taken by car, so they're the they're the kind of they're the easy wins that are potentially um, swappable.
1: Playing devil's advocate here, or just you know mm. tr- trying to test our op- opposition to this big spend, um, there is there must be some truth to the argument that uh, building a road in the right place can be of economic benefit to a region. If you think, for example, of Hull City. Without the M62 reaching across um, Yorkshire and connecting it with Leeds and Sheffield, it would be very isolated. And presumably, that that through flow of traffic that makes it accessible is of economic benefit to Hull.
2: Yeah, it's it's um, beneficial for people to uh, uh, to like to be able to reach places, obviously. But I think the way that we calculate the value of roads is quite skewed. Um, so there's the kind of the tool that the government uses to calculate the value of infrastructure schemes places the value of a driver's time, for example, highly and places the value of other users like train users, cyclists, pedestrians, all a lot lower. And so any delays to motorists is seen as a cost and any delays to other users is is like less of a cost. And so when you're looking at economic arguments, it's kind of skewed in favor of driving so there there is obviously an economic benefit for people to be able to get from place to place but how you do that is is kind of a political choice to an extent
0: it also depends on what you spend that money on so for example if you were to um if you were to build so, and we're having this conversation uh, at the moment i guess in in public about HS2 um and also northern rail like the northern element of rail you know Saying well, it takes you know an hour and a half to get from Manchester to Leeds uh, or, or whatever by train, uh, and obviously there are lots of you know city to city motorways that do that job, but we've not invested in that part of the infrastructure at all. So what we find is uh, it's very accessible by car, but that perpetuates um, the, the the problem, and we're also not measuring, as Laura says, we're we're measuring car drivers as more important than other people who use other modes of transport, literally by the amount of their worth uh, per minute delayed. Uh, but also we're not, um, uh, we're, oh, sorry for, like, totally lost we're not
2: order. counting. I think you were going to say, we're not counting the health disbenefits of driving.
0: Yes, Laura, we're not. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're measuring, uh, we're measuring the time it takes and, and, and the cost of that, but we're not measuring the health benefits or like how people, feel about their, uh, society. And also the, you know, Peter Walker's new book, you know, shows that the, the, the NHS cost the NHS of inactivity, for example, something like 7 billion pounds uh, a year and a hundred thousand premature deaths are related to, um, uh, to inactivity each year as well. So we're not having those, uh, discussions. And that's because the way that our transport system is built is, uh, is of a certain, you know, certain era.
1: Yeah. So, so going back to the politics of this, where does that leave? Where does that leave this spend? And, and and so there's a challenge, but is that really expected to succeed? And um, you know, if it doesn't, what are the consequences? What are the potential ways of um questioning this policy that are still open to those who don't feel it like it's terribly progressive?
0: Where it's at at the moment is uh the the same group um, tr- uh, transport action network, uh, who, um, put a successful legal challenge to the Heathrow, uh, third runway plans, um, have, uh, have, um, uh, put this, um, put this forward. There's a, there's a definite, uh, way to go. Um, there's, uh, there's, there's a, a, a lot of, um, legal proceedings and wranglings to happen. And actually to, you know, just for the interest of balance, you know, the Department of Transport um, do did make, I think, a, a case or somebody at least made the case that, that Grant Trapps is, you know, entitled as the Secretary of State to make these decisions. And, um, you know, he's, he's there to make decisions when they're, you know, when they're tough. And even if they are um, against some of the, the advice that, that has has had, ministers do this all the time. So I'm not saying it's right um, by by any means, but that uh, there's a long way to go. And actually, we've seen appeal after appeal with these things as well. So it's never quite that straightforward. You can have a uh, you can have a win originally, and then you know on appeal under different grounds, it can be uh, rejected. So there's a hell of a long way to go um, in this, but it is I think raising the discussion, which will be what potentially concerns the government you know boris johnson's 10 point green plan and all of these things again leading to cop 26 having the world's media uh, on your doorstep and you while you're talking about how much you're going to build on 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 roads and 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 other things uh is not a good look um so that's that's going to be the one of the sticks as well i think to 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 play devil's advocate to myself, uh, I think, and to (laughs) not, to not, um, uh, Ned's changing his batteries, by the way, which is why I'm playing devil's advocate to myself uh, in the absence (laughs) of a co-host. I would say that I've seen uh, on, only on Twitter, I don't know the full details, but guess who else is building loads of roads at the moment? Me? No. the Dutch. It's the Dutch. The Dutch have got a massive road building plan. Um, and you know, often highlighted as the, the, the cycling utopia of which it rightly is, and they, uh, they are building tons and tons of roads. And that leads Didn't me I to the, the kind of devil's advocate point is, uh, and this is happening locally to me right now, is road building, uh, a necessary evil to get with a program if it enables active travel at the same time? Um, from a climate point of view, I don't think that's the case. But if we are building these new roads, a lot of them are being suggested that they have active travel facilities as part of the building. So that's opening up new routes. But ultimately, I'm, I'm locally, I'm left with a position now is, and I've, I've, I tell you what, I've done, I've objected. But I could back a seventy million pound dual carriageway because we're going to get a cycle lane as well. Or I can say, guys, you're you're really not going along this the right way you need to look at active travel first and public transport first and if that's not solving your problems then look at road building
1: and uh, yeah i can vouch for i can vouch for having to drive round amsterdam's ring road at rush hour and it's absolute hell you know it's like the m25 on steroids mm. so it can be an awful congested nightmare and i can well believe i mean you know they're, they're very motor you know outside of their a completely different attitude towards getting around the towns and cities in which they live, and indeed the rural communities in which they live, which are all quite interconnected. Outside of that, they're as wedded to the motor car, yeah. I would suggest, well, as any more, other they, they own
0: more cars yeah. per head than we do in, in the UK. In the but yet
1: you know, but yet they've managed to evolve the two ecosystems in tandem. Yeah. And that's that's something that we just haven't managed to do, but it's a slightly more it's an interesting take, isn't it? It's not, not something you hear very often. In fact, I've not heard that about their their road building programme mm, until you just either. mentioned it now, Adam.
2: They have got some of the most satisfied drivers in the world though, apparently, the
1: ducks
0: Really. That is great, aren't they? Got the happiest kids, satisfied drivers. Oh, oh, hi there. I am very satisfied.
1: <laughs> Talking of which did you see did you see the, the video that did the rounds yesterday of, you know, all the canals froze oh, over and the in Ice Netherlands skating fail. The guy, the guy in the pants skates, yeah. it, just wearing his pants, and he goes underpants. through the ice, and you think, "Oh, blimey!" Yeah, just skating in his underpants, Laura. It's a, it's a good video.
0: And he found <laughs> the ice. Spoil it for you. It's great, and <laughs> He, yeah, well, the he, did, he, he fell underneath the, 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 the ice and got cold. That's oh, the, yeah. that's, the, that's the story.
1: Because he
0: was just wearing his pants. That's it. <laughs> um, I, this, this local, this local problem that we have—it's—it's it's a dual carriageway to Warwick University, and in many respects, you know, has some merit. There's talks of very light rail, you know, to be connecting up, and a new pr- public transport hub. Of course, none of that stuff's funded. Um, and and the mm. thing that they can be sure of is this: tons of money that there are for. Um, drew a carriage raise and I, mm. I got a bit exasperated this week, and I, I wrote, I wrote my response to consultation, and, and just the first couple of lines, because um, I think it's relevant to this. It said, in 1955, urban planning specialist Lewis Mumford said, building more roads to prevent congestion is like loosening your belt to cure obesity. In 2021, I am responding to a consultation that proposes to build a new road to relieve congestion. Mm. Uh, so on, so on, so on, so on. And it's just it's just getting boring now because every time like what what works? Build another lane. What works? Oh, maybe we could build another lane. It's like, guys, we've been trying this since the 40s and 50s, and it's still not enough. Maybe we could like realize that it's it's not something that can go forever. We have to make a stop at some point.
2: Yeah, I think this is just a kind of product of the way that we kind of value infrastructure schemes, though. There was a case in Oxfordshire. I think it was the year before last. There was a new. There's been this campaign for the B4044 cycle path for like a decade, and they've got the most incredible campaigners. They're so dedicated. They produced a video showing why it was why a cycle lane was needed on this winding B road. It's like super. It looks super dangerous to cycle on. There's, mm-hmm. a, there's like a verge they did all sorts of surveys they paid like 20 grand for these surveys to be done to kind of make the wow. case for this cycle lane and you just think if they if these people can't do it with all of this kind of uh drive that they have and all of these skills and and you know who can do it anyway there's a new um housing estate going to be built uh at the kind of at one end of this road and then the road kind of links with oxford and so they're like well great this is our chance to get the funding for the cycle lane to link the new housing estate up and they had to remove the cycle lane from the funding bid because it would have harmed the um business case for the whole of the scheme oh god Yeah, and it's heartbreaking. And I think the day that the funding got announced, um, in fact, I know the day that the funding got announced, the postman was killed cycling on this road. And it's just, you know, it's just like the the horrificness of it. But um, yeah, it just it was it was impossible to do anything but kind of the road in this case. So you can kind of understand from a council point of view, if this is the messaging that they're getting, um, and there were sort of letters to and from it was when Jesse Norman was um, cycling minister, and there letters to and from him, and he was saying, you can do it. And they, but then he was getting mixed messages, and in the end, they couldn't. So, yes, yeah, that's the situation.
1: I mean, in terms of opposing policy and activism and all that sort of thing, and its pitfalls and its difficulties, I think it's it's really interesting, Laura. I was, um, uh, I can't remember who I was hearing on the radio talking about combating um, what's it called, vaccine hesitancy. Yeah. Mm. And saying that um you shouldn't overestimate you shouldn't overestimate how much impact you can have by simply explaining things you know explaining the safety explaining efficacy and its importance because actually ultimately with a lot of vaccine hesitancy people make decisions emotionally yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, rather than rationally and and I think in some ways um, I, th- I think we probably all would agree that nobody really likes roads. I mean, you'd have to be pretty weird to like the idea of tarmacking the nation. You know, it doesn't seem like a very good idea, but what you shouldn't <laughs> underestimate is quite how much we like cars. Yeah. Mm. You know, I mean, I, I, I think that they are, I think they are emotionally, you know, you only need to think of the way that they've been advertised in the past. I remember when I was a kid, or rather growing up, that that advert of the, uh, I think it was a type of Volkswagen or something in which the, the, the father of the, you know, it, it, he transported his precious young daughter in this safe, perfect yes. environment. And, yeah. you know, that kind of plays to that. I can't remember which brand of car it was, but um, the interior of cars are designed by very clever people to be wonderful spaces that are, to ter- feel, terrifically empowering, mm. you know, this all this immense and unnecessary power sensitive to, like, the, the slightest pressure with your right foot and the weather dashboard lights up and provides you with all this information out of the comfort of the seat um you know i have this theory particularly in this country where a lot of people live in quite in the cities in quite substandard housing yeah. and um a lot of the places we live in are, 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 are pretty kind of inadequate in lots of ways mm-hmm. but, but for a relatively affordable price most people can af- can can have parked outside their house this box That contains all this magic, and can not only feel a nice place to sit, but can take you pretty damn fast from A to B most most of the time. And so that is something that good look good. We all understand the magic of getting out and you know riding away your troubles, even in the sub zero temperatures we've had on a bike. But that's not an immediately obvious attraction. Whereas everybody kind of gets, and if we're honest with ourselves, we can kind of understand the. We were actually in our WhatsApp group, weren't we? We were talking about this yeah. just the
0: other day because we're all clo- we've been closet drivers, or like we've had to, I used to I used to drive. My my wife always picks me up on this. If I ever get too big, my boots. she goes. Just remember when we lived in Ealing, you used to drive a mile to your to your like local office, uh, and I did. I had parking at the office. I had parking at home, mm-hmm. and I just drove a mile and Didn't think anything of it, and I didn't mm-hmm. think about how it would harm people that made other choices i didn't think about how i added to congestion i didn't think about the cost i didn't think about any of these things um and you know that, that i i feel like i'm in a more informed position now um and and i wasn't a bad person then and you know I just just a victim a victim of the, the the planning decisions that have been made around me and i just i just didn't know about this stuff why why mm-hmm. would i
2: I think I think you make a really compelling point Ned and I think it's um I think it's totally right it does the it does really appeal to people and it's supposed to and a car is such a, a kind of item of freedom isn't it and uh
1: yeah, we were. We, well, Laura, t- it's time for you maybe to admit to <laughs> oh, your. Yeah. I'm building up oh, so yeah. the Photograph. Yeah. the photograph in your in your collection. <laughs> I've got I've got this awful photograph.
2: So I had my head shaved when I was 17. Um, I had a bad haircut, and on on a whim, I got my sister's boyfriend at the time to shave it all off. I got like a grade five or something, <laughs> and I basically didn't look in the mirror for a year. But unfortunately, this photograph in question is during that year where I had awful hair. It went to sort of a mullet stage, um, but then anyway, I basically my. First car was this brown fiesta mark one fiesta it was dreadful um and uh yeah and i've got a picture of me hugging it basically yeah so i'm kind of
0: <laughs> laura <laughs> can you um, can you send that to no, us and i'll put it as the artwork i
2: was clearing up some drawers and i found it and i was like jesus this is such a bad picture of me in so many ways <laughs> yeah, I totally love my car because we were in, you know, we we're in the middle of nowhere. I grew up in the middle of nowhere. We we're in Somerset. And if you didn't have a car, you couldn't get places. Before that, I used to hitchhike. I was yeah. hitching everywhere. And it's kind of a bit dangerous. It's very inconvenient. You never know when you're going to get anywhere. The buses are dreadful. So when you get your car, it really is. It is actual freedom. Uh-huh. So, yeah. And uh, I used yeah. to love driving. I Yeah, I did. I, I don't have a car now, but... um. Yeah, I did used to love it, and I can totally understand why it's, it's so appealing because you could just go anyway, just like pick up and, and go.
0: I think there's probably uh, a compromise here, and I, you know, I think it's a nuance, and there'll be people that just totally don't don't agree with this. But I think we accept that driving is is always going to be a thing to a certain level, but that we need people to think about the impact that it has when they drive, but also we need to give people the, uh, the dignity of, of, of choice. You know, at the moment, we're not providing a transport system that allows people to make, uh, a choice. And it's not about being, you know, it's very quickly, you know, oh yeah, you're, you're, you're anti-car, but I think we should have some rules really where car and some agreement and some leadership from government about where cars should and shouldn't go. I think there's a general consensus from at least transport professionals that cars do not belong in cities and city centres and have a negative impact um, on, on the economy even and just health and, and all of those things. So why not, you know, why not build a, a kind of, yeah, a compromised leadership position of we're going to build, um, we're going to build roads, but we're going to spend them Building where we can, um, where we can make a difference to communities, and we're going to build active travel as part of that. Uh, and we're also going to spend 12, which they are we're going to spend twelve billion of pounds of that resurfacing uh, roads, and and everyone can unite behind potholes. It's a politically safe <laughs> uh, subject <laughs> matter. I'm not saying this is exactly where I'm at because it's not. It jars at me uh, a little bit, but it, in in the in interests of progress, um, you know, I think this. Uh, zero sum game is 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 not you know is not going to help many people uh, and it's not going to potentially help us get more uh more more cycle networks
2: yeah and yeah i was just thinking before this podcast actually before we move on about how many um phrases we have with road with road in it just like road is quite a sim- the road is quite a symbolic thing it's like journeys it's getting places it's progress and I think mm. there is something driving about is that. as well yeah driving yeah
0: my um, um, my local museum the Coventry Transport Museum uh changed their name uh, changed their slogan rather a couple of years ago uh, and given it's the transport museum that, of the city that invented the modern bicycle um the slogan is driving change um and I was like oh, oh.
1: there's a whole linguistic um rabbit hole we could disappear down there and kind of if we broaden it out to uh, Latin languages and Germanic languages and how um <laughs> the act of the act of uh propelling yourself on a bicycle in most Germanic languages is derived from the equivalent of driving mm. whereas in French it's running. Oh really? So um, yes. Yeah, and um, corredor, And um, coureur. Um, that's to run oh. because uh, you know, um that's that's the origins of the bike, isn't it? It's a fast way of walking, velociped, you know. But um that's of no interest here. I'm is it? interested.
2: Let's, um, let's, I think that's very interesting but, personally. Well, uh,
1: maybe we could fill a whole hour hour with it um, <laughs> later. But, but before we before we close off um today's episode, um in our bid to make uh, all the production values of this, you know, responding to our listeners' feedback, uh, our production raising the whole bar and that, Adam, you edit this podcast. Um, Right now, I want you to drop in the jingle, if that's the right way of describing it, the supports um, an irregular new slot that we have in which we bring you up to date with all the latest LTN news. That's London Transport News. And it's got its own jingle. (laughs)
0: Live from the Streets Ahead newsroom, it's L-T-N. All
1: right, so that was brilliant. Uh, that was really well done. I haven't actually heard it because it'll only be done in the edit later, but I'm assuming it was brilliant. Um, uh, you, Laura, you are L-T-N. You're the, basically the Streets Ahead L-T-N-SAR, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and and uh, you need to tell us what's been going on right and maybe also what's been going wrong on the latest well it's the front line of the culture war isn't it let's put it yeah it
2: kind of is isn't it yeah it's been quite divisive um well so my local area has got new ltns for one thing um and uh they were introduced yesterday uh as we record and that's i think that's like the fourth or fifth one that they've introduced now in my area um, without too much trouble. Um, and... Following a, uh, the legal challenge from the Licensed Taxi Drivers Association regarding um, equality's impact assessment of cycle schemes, they've worked much more closely with groups representing people with disabilities on new schemes, which is really good outcome, I think, from that. And I think on a fourth, in fact, I know on a forthcoming episode, we're going to talk about that a bit more if we can get hold of the people that we need. Um, there was also Cycling UK submitted FOIs to Ambulance Trust, and asked uh, them to identify any active travel schemes that were introduced without consultation, um, any that had caused emergency response delays and any that had outstanding problems relating to such schemes um, and whether they supported them. The results came back from the Ambulance Trust, generally supportive. There hadn't been any problems that hadn't been resolved um, and uh, there there wasn't stuff being introduced without their knowledge A lot of them had input with councils on their designs. Um, And yeah, so a lot of them came back saying they were supportive of these measures. You know, it wasn't just LTNs, it was cycle lanes. And I think Cycling UK's focus was on cycle lanes. And uh, yeah, just saying that these measures basically, because they make cycling and walking safer. Um, that they support them, um, efforts to reduce air pollution, efforts to reduce car use, um, all of that. So, yeah, generally, it seems like the emergency response news is good. Um, Yeah, I think I think I think there are sort of schemes still being pulled out. Um, Unfortunately, I know that my neighbouring borough, Redbridge, pulled one out a couple of months ago, uh, which is sad. Um, That's on the quiet way that runs near me, actually. The end of the quiet, world, which is no longer as quiet um, since that went, but yeah, it's a very patchy picture still. But some some boroughs pressing ahead, and some are
1: not. grounds of the The grounds of the opposition to LTNs seems to shift occasionally. Yeah, a
2: little bit. Um,
1: a lot of a lot of video. A lot of video gets shared of of kind of ambulance. I say a lot. So I've seen yeah. the odd... Sort of video of ambulance drivers jumping out and fiddling Mm -hmm. around with keys to try and uh, access a road that, which is something to be fair, Laura. That I remember when we first started talking about Mm. these things, I was quite kind of puzzled as to how that might work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So
2: um, I think I think they have. um, Yeah, I think that ambulance drivers do encounter delays from from schemes. Um, There weren't any in particular identified by any of the trusts um, for my for the article that I wrote on this FOI, although there have been um, issues reported in, I think, Ealing. Um, And yeah, but I think I think basically they work with the councils and uh, kind of resolve these issues. Uh, Ambulance drivers are very skilled at getting around. And it's just about whether they're they've got often got quite old navigational systems. Um, so sometimes they're
1: not updated. Uh, yeah, uh, really careful with this one because it seems on the face of it indefensible, doesn't it? You know, your your immediate reaction mm. when you see when you see somebody clearly being held up by having to unlock is is you know well this this has got to go. Mm. On the other hand, how many times have you been sitting in a car, maybe driving a car, and behind you you're trying to you're trying to work out where that ambulance mm. is that's coming up behind you that is stuck yeah. in traffic yeah. a- and being delayed yeah. in, in congested, on congested roads, you know, that's, that's never considered to be a, that's never considered in the mm. same light, is it? You yeah.
2: know?
0: There weren't many campaigns to, to, to stop that from happening. You know, we, we seem quite comfortable with, with congestion generally uh, and, and the, you know, the, the impact it, it has. Um, and, and also a lot of, you know a lot of people that are giving these comments in favor you know they they're healthcare professionals they see the bigger picture as well they they understand that you know the NHS and their for even frontline services have to spend in uh, an ordinary amount of time um, because of things like air quality uh, and inactivity and and road things collisions. that go along with that you know road collisions yeah diabetes and inactivity all of those things what i did see um I think Ned, you you um you said this before, but we were talking about Twitter and you're saying, you know, let's engage with people on Twitter if we feel like there's a way to you know have a discussion and change their mind. And if you're not going to, then then you're wasting, you know, wasting energy. And and I found this with, you know, some campaigners I've had quite good conversations with and I've seen their point of view. And other campaigners, you know, you say about ambulances, for example, they say well, you can't block ambulances and say, okay, what we'll do is we'll put cameras in then can't find motorists you know there, there's always some there's always an answer there's a you know there's a there's a flow chart of responses and and the summary is they don't want any change you know they don't have any answers of how to solve air quality and how to get more people cycling and walking um and well, no and one likes change do they can, and no one well, no one likes change but you can see very clearly those who have a huge passion for um you know there are people that have a real passion for air quality who don't believe in LTNs. And I think we should have a discussion about that. And then there's yeah. ones that are kind of using quite bizarre and, and horrible tactics um, to, 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 to do that.
1: Well, one thing that occurred to me just going for a walk around my neighbourhood, um, as I think we, we're we all doing a lot of that kind of thing, aren't we? Um, but, you know, LTNs aren't new. No. Nope. Um, around, the, around the Victorian streets where I live, there's evidence, God knows when it all happened, but decades ago, Residential roads were blocked off, yeah, or blocked. You know, either by pedestrianising, putting pavement at the end that literally block it off, or occasionally concrete bollards or those big metal gates. Yeah, with the
0: the big metal gates that say fire um, access on them. We've had them that for say decades. Fire there, are, there
1: are a surprising amount of them yeah. that I've just taken for granted in my neighbourhood, and never, and I'm only looking at them now because it strikes me that all they are is LTNs really. Yeah. And people have just got used to them, you know. Um, yeah, there's loads of them. I re- and, and and by and large, they're a good thing. Yeah. You know, they, They've I'm, I'm sure they're appreciated by the residents of the roads that
2: you know are blocked yeah.
1: off from through traffic.
2: Yeah, yeah. I did a little article on them so last year in, in for Mind the ZAG the website, and um, I looked into a few of them. There we Some go. In Leicester, Hackney famously, Merton's got a bunch. Uh, Heptonstall is a small West Yorkshire town. Uh, where Sylvia Plath is buried, that's like no through traffic. Loads of them.
0: LTN News wasn't quite as snappy as we were hoping um, <laughs> this short segment. I know, it started to, so well to, with to, that jingle that we to, haven't yet to, heard. To, as to, well. to be. But I had a policy idea. Um, because of how concerned everyone is about response times for for, for ambulances and fire engines, we should mandate that that double cycle tracks are built on every single road. So there is an express lane for emergency vehicles to use at any time. And when, when there aren't emergency vehicles using it, we can let cyclists use it.
1: Brilliant. Because that seems to be um, everyone's concern, doesn't it? That ambulances need free access. So I think that's a, that's a clever, that's a clever policy suggestion. Um, all right then. Snappily, shall I shall we leave it there for this episode? Well, I thought, I thought we all shone. I thought well, I thought you know everyone knows about us now as as kind of individuals and humans, which is obviously it's going to propel us from. Well, Adam, we're apparently in the top two percent of all podcasts in the world. Yeah.
0: Apparently, so, yeah, we had we had um, yeah. we had a podcast MOT done for us, which is why we're acting like weirdos <laughs> trying to be popular. <laughs> um, and uh, and one of the things it said is well done. You're in the two, top two percent of podcasts in the world um and that's great but we could do better and that's what we are attempting to do
1: (laughs) god if that's that's us trying to do better Mm -hmm. god help us anyway um we are uh, in the top two percent because of you listening so thank you very much and i hope you do continue listening to streets ahead do let us know uh, what you think at pod streets ahead is our handle and rate and review us online and please share the podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it and do contact us by the way if you have any uh, suggestions for what you want to see uh, discussed or whether you like adam have got any cracking policy ideas because we'd like to hear from uh, from about all about those as well and in the meantime from uh, adam from laura and from myself it's goodbye